Hello, and welcome to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Helen Jane Hearn, Senior Director of Content. Today, we're thrilled to talk to Tom Benet, CEO of the Association and CEO and President of the Association's Educational Foundation. Tom covers a lot in our 30 minutes today. Outlining what the National Restaurant Association affected in 2020, as well as the priorities for 2021 and beyond. Let's get started. Welcome, Tom. Hey, Helen Jane. How are you? I am great. It's good to see you. Great to see you, too. Well, it's been almost six months since I last spoke with you. And let's just kind of talk about where the restaurant industry is now at this time in March of 2021. Well, a lot has transpired since we talked last. As you, I think, know, and certainly many of the listeners know that uh, 2020 was a pretty tough year for the industry. Our analysis showed that the industry ended the year with about a $240 billion sales loss. That's about 27% of the uh, our original forecast for the uh, the 2020 year. And uh, so from revenue standpoint, way down. Uh, restaurant jobs is also way down about 20% or two and a half million jobs below what was pre-coronavirus level. And uh, in just the last couple of months, uh, nearly 450,000 restaurant jobs were lost. It was a pretty rough kind of fourth quarter and early start to the winter uh, in 2021. And about 17% of restaurants overall also are either closed permanently or long-term. You know, the challenges for the industry have only continued to grow throughout the year. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of those closures were restaurants that were well-established businesses and fixtures in their communities. I know we talked early on about the impact that a restaurant can have in a community, and it's just really difficult to watch, you know, restaurants that have been business for 15 plus years you know, having this kind of a challenge and even some that have been open twice that long. So uh, a lot of has gone on, but uh, I'll look forward to talking about a lot of the things we've actually been doing to to help the industry during that same time. Thank you. Well, like we said, we spoke back earlier in 2020, and I know the association's priorities have changed. How have they changed? Well, I think in many regards, they continue to evolve. But certainly when we talked uh, early days when I was in the role, we were still early in the pandemic and trying to learn a lot like everyone else and, and trying to understand what was really uh, happening and, and what we needed to do to provide the industry support. So we're very still focused today on making sure that we get restaurants reopened uh, and make sure that we do it in a safe and, and healthy way for not only the restaurant owners and operators, but certainly all the guests that uh, want to take advantage of those restaurants we are very focused on making sure that we can once again bring back the promise of a thriving restaurant and food service community, which is a big part of our mission statement. And uh, as I said back then, and I believe even more now, the way we'll do that is by coming together as one industry. And that to me means a couple things, but regardless of your restaurant outlet type, whether you're an independent or a chain or a franchisee, we need to all work together. And certainly in, in this environment, anyone who has suffered, um, we need to work hard on their behalf to help them regain and do everything they can to resupport the business. It also means, though, working in collaboration and partnership with our state restaurant associations. We know that whether it's uh, the advocacy efforts that we've uh, undertaken or the policy decisions that are made, both, you know, positive for our industry, but also things that have been challenging happen at both the national and the state level. And so it continues to be really important that we work across 
uh, both state and national organizations. And then last but not least, I think the supplier community, the distributor community in partnership with operators, you know, showed up in a big way in 2020 and continues to reinforce the importance of all of us coming together as we try to bring this industry forward. I know that the association recently published their 2021 State of the Restaurant Industry Report. And besides just the economic information that we got, there were some major trends that were identified. Those included a big increase in off-premise activity, menu simplification, alcohol to go. How do you see these trends continuing in 2021? Well, I think those trends in particular, many of them will see continue and stay as we go forward. And I think they're just, again, great examples of how this industry and so many of the operators uh, leverage their innovative thinking, ingenuity, and just how resilient they are to take on these challenges and do whatever it takes to keep serving guests and do it in a way that uh, that works. And so the a couple of those things were huge very important kind of uh, lifelines in, in some regard for operators. You think about alcohol to go as an example. I mean, that just created an environment where restaurants had an additional source of revenue that uh, they may not have had in the past. And certainly given how much of the business was done in kind of carry out or takeaway, um, that created a whole different opportunity for them to profitably you know, manage their business. Menu simplification really is something that uh, I think many restaurants did in the early days as a way to simplify and to reduce inventory in their back rooms. But I think what they also found is that that was something that was manageable. And uh, there were some additional product segments that came out of that. You know, some of the maybe more sensitized historical diet trends like uh, gluten-free or vegan became a little less important. And many folks were focusing on things like comfort food. And I think it was just an example of the environment we were all living in. People needed a little something that made them feel good. Uh, but I think menu simplification is one of those things that came out of the pandemic that will probably stay in many regards. And then certainly, last but not least, just all the unique ways we saw people manage off-premise uh, businesses. And you saw people adding delivery and takeout that never had it before. You saw new packaging ideas. You saw you know, kind of menu and meal kits uh, being put together where people could take things home and create them at home, uh, kind of restaurant quality food at home. So just lots of things that happen that, uh, again, I think will stick around for quite some time. Yeah, that evolution happened so quickly. It's hard to realize, you know, that was a major change to the entire, a huge industry segment in just a few months. But that ingenuity you had said earlier, was definitely a, a big part of it. We've also seen the restaurant industry, you know, they've seen big changes to the business of restaurants, regardless of the category and size. What permanent changes do you see across the full restaurant landscape, regardless of size? Well, I think technology is probably the one that comes to mind first and foremost. You know, there's been folks who've suggested that in just the kind of six or eight months of 2020, technology has leapt like five years. You know, we, we've always seen technology continuing to grow in restaurants, but to make kind of a five-year progression in just a six or eight-month time frame just speaks to, again, how people had to adapt and change. And so whether it was digital orders that now make up, uh, you know, 30% of the market, some $100 billion in sales, where it may have been, you know, a half of that prior to the pandemic, 
or uh, customers getting more used to using online applications. You know, look at the various folks, certainly my generation, we may have used them a little bit, but we were not the, you know, the primary users of those applications. And now you're seeing really across all types of cohorts, people getting comfortable with and using delivery applications. And that's something that once you're familiar with and comfortable with, you know that it will stick. Uh, but even things like QR codes, which many thought was kind of a dying technology, came back in a big way because it was an easy way for restaurants and for guests to be contactless, um, whether it was with menus or payment systems. So lots of things going on there that I think have emerged and will certainly be with us. Another big one is ghost kitchens or virtual branding. And so it's something that's growing very rapidly right now. And think about that is that basically you can bring to market restaurant concepts or certainly brand concepts without having to invest in the the expense of the physical restaurant or the overhead that goes along with that. You know, there's a recent one out, uh, a lot of getting a lot of attention called Beast Burger, which is, you know, growing tremendously fast. And, uh, you know, a couple months ago, it didn't even exist. It was just a virtual brand. So both current operators and future operators, I think, will will look to things like Ghost Kitchens as a way to to expand their their brand and product portfolio. Back in 2020, the um, National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation partnered with Guy Fieri to create the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund. And what is the status? Where where are we with that? Well, that program ended in the summertime, but uh, the results of it were phenomenal. Uh, the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund raised over $21.5 million for employees in the industry who were impacted in the early days of, of COVID-19. And uh, the Educational Foundation gave out $46,500 grants to those employees who were in need. So a great example of how both companies, industry, individuals all came together to help uh, an industry that was in need. And we were able to help facilitate that through the Educational Foundation and in partnership with Guy um, around this Restaurant Employee Relief Fund. So hugely successful. And since then, there have been other examples of companies who've donated and created additional type programs out there. But it's just a great example of how I think everyone knows, loves this industry and saw the impact that it was having to it in the early days. And so, so many have come together to support uh, the industry in a lot of different ways, but that that's probably one of the biggest programs that happened all year. Whether you offer takeout or in-house dining, your customer's experience can be enhanced by presenting your chef's exact portions of sauces, dressings, and condiments. WinPack's single-serve packets contain specific volumes or weights. Even better, the packet can include a QR code connecting diners to your website, menu, or specials. Does your food service supplier offer packaging produced by WinPack? See winpack.com, W-I-N-P-A-K.com. Are there any other relief measures for the industry that you know of that may be happening in 2021? Well, let's talk about relief. I think, you know, if I think about all the work we've done on the advocacy front, and certainly the first time we talked, I was early days for me. But one of the things that I'm incredibly proud of, and I think that everyone should feel great about, is that the National Restaurant Association, very early days when the pandemic hit, were 
talking with Congress, talking with the president about what needed to be done to support this industry. As things progressed, there was the original round of PPP, which happened. And while it wasn't perfect, we lobbied to have some improvements made uh, called the Flexibility Act that enabled restaurants to use those funds in some different ways and allowed them to you know, bridge the early days of the pandemic. As the summer went on, one of the things that we did is we launched the uh, Blueprint for Restaurant Revival. And I think the reason that's so important is that it really was a broad approach to making sure that the industry was going to get both the short-term and the long-term relief that it needed. And uh, while we knew that additional funding was important, and we'll talk about, I'll talk about that, um, we also knew that there were a couple of other things that needed to happen. So the first thing we said was we wanted to support this restaurant recovery fund, uh, which was titled the Restaurants Act. And there were a couple different versions out there. There was one that was launched in the House and then one that we uh, partnered with the Senate to propose, which was all about providing incremental relief for the restaurant industry. The ask was for $120 billion at the time. And it was focused on any restaurant who was in need, regardless of the type of restaurant you were. But in addition to the Restaurants Act, which I'll, I'll share kind of where that ended up, we were trying to build on the success of the original PPP by asking for a second round. Now, this was way back in uh, July of 2020, but we said that the initial loan was certainly not enough to, to get people by, and it was always intended to be a short-term bridge because no one really knew how long or, or how impactful the pandemic might be, certainly on, on this industry. In addition to that, we said those PPP loans needed to be tax deductible. That was the original intent when Congress passed the CARES Act. But uh, all of a sudden in the summertime, we found that uh, there was a debate going on as to whether or not those loans were going to be tax deductible. So we got very involved in, in continuing to reinforce that. From a long-term standpoint, we also said there needed to be some longer-term programs to support the industry way beyond just the, the loan program and beyond PPP so that operators could retain, retrain, and rehire the employees who had, uh, who had left the industry during that time. We also were very focused on things like expanding the employee retention tax credit uh, to help restaurants get you know, support after the PPP loans had run out. We asked for improving economic injury disaster loans. So these are, again, different types of funding to advance uh, grants to support businesses that had major revenue reductions due to COVID-19. There were employee and customer wellness tax credits we asked for. We asked for business interruption insurance claims for small business. We talked about private liability protection. And then we even said, look, we need to make sure we're doing the things that this industry needs to support its employees. So we asked to have uh, restaurant employees who had become made essential at that point, due in part by a lot of our efforts. But we also said they needed to be prioritized in both testing and, and vaccination whenever that was available. And back last summer, we had no idea that a vaccine would come by the end of the year, but that effort has paid off. And we're certainly seeing the benefits of that right now as certain states and municipalities have prioritized restaurant workers in either C1 or C2, which means they're going to be getting uh, the vaccine sooner than later. But things like that, including payroll tax relief for essential employees, all kinds of things that we were trying to do to make sure that the industry was going to come out of this, not just because there was going to be some financial support, but also to make sure that we were doing all kinds of things as an industry to help out and uh, and take care of not only our, our businesses, but our people and, quite honestly, the communities. There was even a provision in the blueprint that talked about feeding uh, vulnerable populations by providing incentives to restaurants who could partner with government and nonprofits to prepare meals. 
And many of those kind of things happened around the country. So I share all that with you just to say that that was the backdrop for which we we went in, into all this. But what's happened in the, the last part of 2020 and certainly in the first part of 2021 is that uh, a second round of PPP was approved in late December, which was a huge bridge to get restaurants who had not received any additional support since that first round of PPP uh, to help them get through the winter months. As we all know, parts of the country were going to close outdoor dining just because of the weather or, or struggle to be able to do that. They were still closed inside. And so this idea that we needed to advocate hard for something for restaurants to create this bridge uh, was something we went after very, very uh, aggressively. And it was great when that came through. And not only did it come through, but by our efforts, those loans for the restaurant industry were actually three and a half times monthly payroll versus two and a half times monthly payroll for all the other businesses, all the other small businesses. So just a great example of where, again, we as the National Restaurant Association were advocating on behalf of all restaurants who were in need. And the other headline is kind of as we're recording this podcast, we're expecting an additional $25 billion in restaurant industry relief that would be included in the final relief package that has been sent to the president, this $1.9 trillion package that's out there. Uh, it's known as the Restaurants Act, so it's very similar to what we advocated for through the Senate uh, last summer. And the fund will provide up to $5 million per individual restaurant and up to $10 million per restaurant group. And it, the other headline here is, it's based on the version that we advocated for, which is any restaurant who is in need can get access to those funds. It not just includes independent restaurants, but also includes franchisees. And uh, we certainly believe that anyone who has been suffering through this and who's in need um, should get uh, access to, to funding and support. And then, um, you know, lastly, I'd just say that uh, a lot of these things we continue to advocate for. Just because these things are happening doesn't mean we stop advocating. We continue to advocate for even more funding because while $25 billion is very helpful, we think that uh, there's more that's going to be needed. And they need flexibility in how to spend that money, which they're also going to get with this next round of, of $25 billion in funding. So I apologize for the long answer there, but I think it's really important that everyone understands that many of those things that we advocated for have now come through, including things like employee retention tax credit and PPP loan deductibility. Those were big, big deals for operators. And uh, because of the efforts of the National Restaurant Association, in partnership with our state restaurant associations, we've been able to get those kind of programs through and that kind of relief for the industry. That is a tremendous amount of short and long-term thinking, a tremendous amount of financial support. And I really I love that there's that focus on employee health and wellness. And talking about that sort of that employee piece, I know that diversity, equity, and inclusion and that action and the literacy of um, is a category where the restaurant industry continues to evolve. How do the association's goals reflect the industry's goals? Well, the sole diversity, equity, inclusion space is something that's near and dear to me and to certainly all of us at the Restaurant Association. One of the early learnings for me as I joined the association in June of last year, uh, and around the same time, a lot of the uh, Black Lives Matter effort started after the uh, the death and, and the murder of George Floyd. Um, one of the things that I learned very quickly was we had an organization inside of the National Restaurant Association called the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance. And uh, Jerry Fernandez, who leads that organization, 
uh, and I started to have conversations about not only things we were already doing, but things we needed to do to even further lead. As many of the listeners are probably aware, the restaurant industry tends to be a leader in this space already. We have a fairly diverse workforce, um, and we have lots of uh, diversity, both in ownership, but also in uh, the workforce itself. Having said that, there's always room for improvement. And certainly we, like many industries, can improve in the um, the level of managerial representation that exists, uh, the investment that's made in the communities, and even how we uh, show up at the kind of C-suite and board level. So we partnered with a group of leaders who helped us think through a new strategy for MFHA to not only support what we were doing at the association, but to role model what needed to be done across the industry. And so through that partnership, we took to our board in early fall four pillars of this new strategy and got approval from our board to not only invest time, effort, and resources, but also to start to partner with operators in the industry. And if, you, if you'll if you give me a, a second here, I'll give you the headlines of these four pillars. Uh, and I think it's just worth sharing, and then we can talk further about them if you'd like. But there are really four focus areas. One is called Pathway to Inclusive Leadership, and it's really all about workforce development. And it's something we'll be doing in conjunction with our educational foundation and a lot of the work we already do uh, in the area of workforce development. But it's about underrepresented groups and really targeting this managerial level of training. So making sure that people get beyond just the entry level and the front line, but they start to move into the managerial levels and ultimately into senior management. Um, so that's the first pillar. The second is around investing in the communities uh, and really trying to drive engagement in those communities. So think in this case, everything from uh, supplier diversity partnerships to partnering with ecosystems could be communities, towns, associations in the local areas around these restaurants to support the vision, support the efforts of these organizations, and to ultimately further engage the community in activities that will support diversity within the restaurant and the restaurant environment. The third is around business and ownership development. One of the things we we see acutely uh, as a opportunity within the restaurant space is having more black and uh, minority-owned businesses. How do we change the representation that exists in the ownership ranks, whether that's ownership of franchises or actually ownership of businesses outright. And so we're looking to partner with folks and we've just launched a new program with PepsiCo where we're actually uh, focused on a target of black and underrepresented or minority owned business owners, uh, a certain number of new owners over the next couple of years. And so that's an example of kind of dimensionalizing the strategy into a tactical uh, initiative that's gonna hopefully change the, the shape and the face of the industry over time. And then the fourth area is around greater diversity on boards and in the C-suite and something that you know, we want to role model as an association and have many of our members role model. But how do we bring more diverse candidates into these very senior positions and also to recognize that we need that diversity on our boards as well? So those are the four pillars and something we're very excited about and proud of. And we've already got a lot of work going underway in 2021. And you should look for us to not only continue to lead, but also to role model in that area for the industry. That's fantastic. I can't wait to see those start to gain more traction. Well, and I only have one more question for you today. And it's one of those forward-looking ones. Where would you like to see the restaurant industry in our next conversation? Well, I'd love to see this industry kind of back to pre-COVID levels. I think 
we probably have a little more time before that's going to happen. And I hopefully it won't be that long before I get a chance to talk with you again. But I, I do think we're going to continue to see this upward trajectory. Uh, the vaccinations happening is certainly something that's very encouraging and very positive. Uh, we'll get this $25 billion in funding and hopefully some additional funding to help restaurants continue to bridge these winter months and get them into the spring and summer. Uh, we're going to hopefully have things like alcohol to go being made more permanent. Many states have already done so. We're looking to get that done across even more states, which will be another way that restaurants can can accelerate out of this, but ultimately create the environment where consumers, who we all know, we're all dying to get back out and enjoy a meal with our friends and our families in, in restaurants, um, get more and more of us out there being able to do that. And uh, we need the right environment. Obviously, the restaurants have done their part in trying to create that safe environment, but we need the vaccine for many people to feel comfortable getting out there. So most importantly, I just like to see the ongoing progression and giving consumers the opportunity to get back and doing something that I know they all dearly miss and, and truly enjoy. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss it. And I can't wait to, to see that recovery happen. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Tom. It was really fun to get to see here where the, where the association's priorities are and all the work that's been happening behind the scenes. Well, thank you, Helen Jane. It's always good to, to be with you and uh, we appreciate your ongoing commitment uh, to support the restaurant industry and to get the, the messages out there. Whether you offer takeout or in-house dining, your customer's experience can be enhanced by presenting your chef's exact portions of sauces, dressings, and condiments. Winpack's single-serve packets contain specific volumes or weights. Even better, the packet can include a QR code connecting diners to your website, menu, or specials. Does your food service supplier offer packaging produced by Winpack? See winpack.com, W-I-N-P-A-K.com. Thanks for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Helen Jane Hearn, Senior Director of Content. Thanks to our sponsor, Winpack, for bringing us this episode. And episode produced by Dante32.